to thank everybody for being here. I just want to start off with some prayer. Father God, we come before you, and we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for our lives, our health, and our strength, Father God. We thank you for your many blessings. Father, I ask that tonight, as we gather, that we just lay aside all distractions, that we just breathe, that we have hearts to receive, that our ears are opened. And Father, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory because it's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. <clears throat> I would like to thank Pastor Josiah for giving me the opportunity to share what the Lord has placed on my heart for the, actually the past several months. And I just want each and every one of you to know how important you are to me. Um, oh, my word, I'm going to get emotional. I hadn't started. You are very, you really, Bethany, you said this was not the one that went down. Okay, so we will not lean on this. If I fall over, y'all just, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but seriously, y'all are so important to me. Um, I've been here for 21 years. And... I've been through a lot, and y'all have been there. You might not have known anything was going on, but, you know, you gave me a smile, or you said, you know, hey, I really appreciate what you're doing, or whatever, and, or, hey, I'm praying for you, or, and I just, I want to thank you for that. I want to let you know that you are, I consider you my family, and to me, that is, that is top priority, because family is so important to me. So thank you. Thank you for your time. And I just pray that the Lord will use this. It's what he's used in my life, and he continues to use. So I just pray that you will get whatever you need to get from it. So I'm going to be very transparent, and that's not really common for me, especially in a group of people. But anyway, I am. I'm just going to lay it out there. Years ago, the Lord gave me this dream. And it was like, it was like a, like the Hoover Dam. It was huge. It was that big. But I could see on both sides. Like I could see through. It was like a glass over here. And I could see this. You know, it's perfect. So what happened was, whenever I was looking over here, it was almost scary, chaotic kind of thing because it was God's power, his presence, his authority. And it was very, I mean, it was just, it, it was like, I really can't even describe the intensity of it. I mean, it was moving around. It wasn't staying still. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't like a lake. It was just intense. There was constant movement. It was just, it was a bombardment almost. And then on this side of the, we'll just call it a gate or a door or doors, and you'll know what I mean by that in a little bit. But it was barren. It was rocky. It was dried weeds. So it wasn't like the Hoover Dam, like where water constantly flows through. It, I mean, this actually stopped it up. And so I was like, okay, but, you know, the Lord made me really take notice of it. Well, I focused, though, on the power, the presence, the excitement, because it was like, oh, you know, this is, this is so awesome. Lord, you know, that, that's what, it, it was like it was bringing the word alive in my life. And I thought about the centurion, which I really, he, he just is an amazing man. I really admire him. Um, but Matthew 8, 5 through 13 It talks about, um, you know, Jesus was in Capernaum. The centurion came up to him, begging him, saying, Lord, my servant boy is lying in the house, paralyzed, 
distressed with intense pains. And Jesus said, I'll come and restore him. But the centurion replied to him, Lord, I'm not worthy or fit to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant boy will be cured. He knew Jesus' authority. And I saw that authority in that whatever you want to call it. It wasn't a river. It was just intense. I mean, because the source was, I could not see the source. It was just so much. So he, he had a glimpse. This centurion had a glimpse of what I saw. And he knew it was Jesus' authority. And then I got excited because I thought about Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. And I was like, Elijah knew. That's in 1 Kings 18. I would encourage you to read that because it, that's one of the most encouraging things. I just get excited every time I read it. But it was, you know, Elijah was like, look, God's called me to do this. I've got to do it. Okay, come on, bring, bring what you got. Okay, water, they had not had rain. Water was very, very, very precious. I mean, it was, they were probably storing up water like, you know, we would try to store up gold or something like that. I mean, it was so precious that they had to have it to live. So, you know, but he's like, no, no, just y'all do y'all's thing over there. So these, bless their hearts, these little prophets are over there cutting themselves, you know, praying to Baal, and Elijah's over there making fun of them. He's like, oh, um, is he coming? Where's he at? And he, he actually gets to the point where he's really, really just, Yes, he is, he is just throwing, I mean, he's, he's just throwing down. He doesn't care because he knew God's power that I saw in that dam. He knew that. He had already seen it. So I get so excited when I hear that because what happened after that? They couldn't do anything. Probably half of them were almost dead because they had cut themselves so much. And... You know, it's just sad that they were going after something that's imitation. And because it wasn't genuine, they missed out altogether. And so here they are killing themselves over something that's not going to happen. But Elijah's like, okay, well, fill it up with water, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And he just goes on and goes on. And it, it really is mocking them even more, just mocking them. And then all of a sudden, God shows up, consumes everything. The water, he laps up the water. He consumed everything. And then, you know, it's like, Elijah's like, okay, y'all need, uh, need to be prepared for rain. I hear the rain. And he outruns the chariot. Okay, I'm telling you, this dude is so full, and he is so confident in God's power that he, he's all out. He is all out for God. And so I'm like, okay, I understand, I understand. You know, this is so awesome. And then I thought of another scripture, Matthew 17, 20. Okay, and, and he's saying, because of the littleness of your faith, that is your lack of firmly relying trust. For truly I say to you, if you have faith that is living like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to yonder and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Living. You can have a seed that's thousands of years old, and it's still a seed. But what do you have to do to get it to grow? you got to plant it. When you plant it, guess what? You can't keep it from not growing. It's going to grow. 
it's, it's going to grow. So, you know, again, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, look, yep, I can say to this mountain, move, move. And it's got to move. There is nothing impossible to me because I saw the power. I saw the presence. I saw the authority that was in that, in that area, that dam area. Then Matthew 19, 26. I'm telling you all, this stuff came alive to me. It says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, but all things are possible with God. I'm telling you, the word was just like, it was, I, I was like bubbling inside because I was like, I understand this. I understand God's power, his presence. Matthew 21, 21 and 22. And Jesus answered them, truly I say, if you have faith, a firm relying trust and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, that's whenever he cursed the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will be done. And whatever you ask for in prayer, having faith, and really believing, you will receive. Y'all, I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, there is no stopping me. There is no stopping me. And then Jesus goes on to say in John 14, 12 through 14, he's like, okay, y'all, I'm telling you, greater works. You're going to do greater works. So I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled. I was so pumped with this dream and still so excited that I actually, I told Pastor Kim. Well, when I told her, she wasn't as pumped as I was. And, I mean, but she was like, hmm. She said, I want you to tell that to, to Tim. And I said, okay. So a little bit later, he came down to my office, and I told him the dream. Immediately, he started asking about the gates, the, the, the doors, whatever we want to call them. And he's like, I wonder, I wonder what that was, holding God's power and his presence and his authority up? What was blocking it? And I'm like, man. I mean, he was really disturbed. He was saddened. You could tell. I mean, he just, he just left my office and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ponder that. I'm going to think about it. But I had not focused on that. I just focused on the glory, the presence, the power, the authority. I was just, that's what I stayed focused on until I shared this dream. This actually gave me a more rounded perspective. And if this was what God is, if that's, if what I saw was what God is, then why wasn't I experiencing it? Why weren't other people experiencing it? And you know, when we ask, we receive. So I had been wanting to experience these things, and I desired God to use me without looking at myself to see if I was usable. I expected this stuff, but I never asked, am I a willing vessel? Yeah, I was willing, but was I a usable vessel? Was my relationship with God in order? What about my relationship with other people? What about my attitudes and my motives? These are all doors. These are all gates that are holding God's presence back if they're not lining up with the word of God. Have I asked God for money for something that I want when I still have other things I have not paid for yet? 
Y'all, I'm reading this book by Oswald Chambers, and he just gets raw and real, and he gets hard. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And it's, but these these are questions that were coming up. Questions just went on and on and on in my mind then, and then I realized, wait, uh, okay, it's time for me to look at myself. What am I doing that could possibly be hindering? power and the authority side of the dream, that was really exciting. It was wonderful. But the gates and the doors would take me to a point where I had to examine myself. The things and attitudes in my life that were wrong were these doors that were that was holding God's presence, his power back. These were doors such, okay, and at this time, I'm going to tell you what my doors were. So, again, I'm going to be transparent with you. And your doors might be something else. But, y'all, if we're not experiencing what God has for us, then we have to take a look at ourselves. And that's not always easy. But it's our responsibility, and nobody can do it for us. Responsibility is not a word that we like to hear, especially this day and age. But it is our responsibility. We are supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So a couple of my doors were worry, unforgiveness, wrong imaginations, and no reverence for God. And some of you are looking at me like, wow, you got a lot going on in your life. I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? The funny thing about this is this dream the Lord brings back every so often, and I have to reexamine, and those doors are something else. At that point, it could be a fence. So, again, as I'm, I'm talking about Oswald Chambers, he's hard, y'all, but he's good. He really makes you think it, this um, – this devo- the particular devotional was written almost 100 years ago because he actually died in 1917. So, but this is what he says about anxiety and worry. We think a little anxiety and worry is an indication of wisdom when in reality it's an indication of how wicked we are. Really? I thought that made me look like I was responsible and blah, blah, blah. Fretting springs from a determination to get our own way. Worry is wicked if you are a child of God because it is saying our circumstances are too much for God. All fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. Wow. So that means every time I am concerned about something, worried about something, even though I know because I saw the power and the presence of God, I saw all that, I'm saying, yeah, but. Y'all, we, <laughs> we got to wake up. We have to wake up. And, and you know what? I desire the more. I want more than I'm experiencing right now. I want God to use me. I want him to work through me. I want to be usable and available. That it, it's my responsibility. It goes, it's, it's, it's about me being responsible. One remedy, and I love it because whenever God shows us something, he's like, yeah, that's your problem, but I'm going to give you a remedy. And he doesn't show us these things to make us feel bad or to condemn us or, you know, to make us feel like worms and dirt. He doesn't do that. He does it because he wants us better. You know, the, I will never forget what Michelle said. 
He wants us cleaner so we can be closer. That has stuck with me. Because God is a holy God. He gives us Isaiah 26, 3. And it says, He will guard you and keep you in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, imaginations, and character is stayed on you, because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Do you trust God that much? I mean, these are just questions. This, this was what, it's tough. It's easy to come in here on a Sunday morning and sit down and then, okay, I'm out of the church now, and you go do life. It's easy to do that. But to walk with God, to be in his presence the way I desire, I can't do that. And I'm telling this is about me. This is all about me. Everybody's going to be different, but this is all about me right now. I'm telling you my faults that the Lord has he's showing me. He's like, no, you, you, you can't do that. Unforgiveness. We can't be right with God if we're not right with our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our friends, our church family person on the road that just cut you off. I mean, you know, we, y'all, life's too short. Life is too short. I want to live the life that God has for me. I don't want my own way because I know I am 51 years old. I know what living my life my way does. I'm not satisfied with it. Psalms 34, 14 says, depart from evil and do good. Seek for and crave peace and pursue it. Go after it. One, uh, one translation says, strive. Strive for it. So is that going to be something easy? No. When you're striving, you are, sometimes it's a struggle. It could be anything, but you're striving for it. You don't give up. I think of I think of being committed to the Christian life. I've never um, example. I was never around athletes of any type whatsoever growing up. Dad was into NASCAR. He was into building, fixing, doing things. You know, he was the life of the party kind of thing. But we, we were never into sports. So whenever Jordan started this, um, I began to see how committed you have to be. His diet, he only eats certain things. He stays ready for a fight. He trains six days a week. He has consistency in his life. He has commitment in his life. He doesn't just do this one day a week or one day a month and then say, oh, yeah, whenever his um, promoter calls and says, okay, are you, you, I got a fight. Do you want it? He can't do that. He has to stay ready. Just like we have to stay ready because you never know what that day is going to bring you. You never know what you're going to encounter. You might need somebody. I mean, you might meet somebody who is in desperate need of a smile. You might need somebody that just, just to know that somebody cares about them. Help them with their groceries. Or I, I, whatever, how trivial it may be. 
like I said before, I've come in here and somebody gave me a smile and it just, okay, I can get through this day now. You never know. So we have to be ready. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We have to always be listening and be ready, but we have to be prompt to obey him. If he tells me, go over there and say, hey, to Jeff, oh, by the way, Jeff is our visitor tonight. Welcome. He's right here. Very nice having you. Um, and I don't do it, or I'll wait, and I'll say, well, I'll wait till after service. Well, then if he got up and left early... I miss my opportunity. You know, it could be those small things, or it could be something huge. It could be the Lord saying, I need you to do, give, give them $500. And it might be something that's a dire need for them right then. You have to be prompt at obeying God. You don't want to miss out. And another thing was reverence to God. I had no reverence to God. thought I did. We reduce the greatness of the Lord. And this Again, this is me. But I had reduced the greatness of the Lord to common terms and finite images that I was familiar with. By this, we reduce God's greatness to a level that we're accustomed to. Y'all, if God, Jesus walked in here right now, if God walked in here right now, what would you do? Do we hold God sacred? Do we hold his word sacred? Do we take his word as our lifeline? There is... Pastor Josiah, he gets me to read all these books, um, like I have a lot of extra time. But anyway, um, The Fear of the Lord, John Brevere. If anybody wants to know more about that, it's, it's an incredible book. We serve God in the image we have made. What is your image of God? Is he a genie that you take off? the mantle when you need something? Is he someone you commune with day in and out? Not Day in and out? You know, again, these are all questions that I'm dealing with, and I just don't want to be the only one that has to deal with them. So I'm sharing them with y'all tonight. Um, does your image line up with what the Bible says? I absolutely love when Pastor Josiah gets up and he says, would you please stand so we can read the word? That used to never, it never even, it wasn't an issue to me. I can sit down and read it. I can stand up and read it. I can lay down and read it. No, that's God's word. That is his word to us. It's his word to me. I hold that sacred. We have been created for God. We've been made to coexist in his glory. But disobedience can't exist within us if we want to please the Lord. Disobedience and walking with the Lord does not work hand in hand. Now, thank God for his grace and his mercy. Because if it wasn't for that, I would be in a lot of trouble. So to measure your spiritual condition, we have to measure our actual obedience to him. And if you say, you know what, he never tells me to do anything, I would recommend you getting along with him then. You get rid of distractions. And you know what, even if it's for just a few minutes to start off with, 
I know people are busy. But the more you do it, the more you thrive when you do it. You literally thrive when you get in his word. Whenever you understand, and the more you're in his word, the more understanding you get. So we walk in his glory when we walk in obedience. Now, again, God doesn't show us these things to bring condemnation. He shows us issues that need to be gotten rid of in our lives. Going back to that dream, every now and then, this is how intense the presence, the power was. The, the gates on that the gates on the dam were just, I mean, seriously, they were like this thick. They were steel. And every now and then, there would be a ball. It was like a ball of white, bright light. I, I don't know how else to describe it. But it would hit so hard that it would buckle these doors. And whenever it did, that light would escape. And it would go down. And I watched it. I would watch it go down. And I'm like, okay, that's what I didn't understand. That's what I was, I was like, okay, so I don't quite understand that. But then when I realized that it was God's glory, it was his presence going out, ministering here on earth, then I was excited. I thought I was excited before whenever I saw all these promises and and all this stuff, but no, I got more excited because then I was like, no, I, I want these doors open. I want, I, I, I want them blown away. I don't want, I don't want them just to open. I don't, because I don't want them attached to a hinge. I want them gone in my life. I want that power, that pr the presence, the God's authority to flow in my life through me. I want that. I desire that, and I desire that for all of us. But again, you have you have to you have to ask the Lord. You know, Lord, what what are my doors? What what's holding what's holding this back? I'm telling you, y'all, there is more. There is more. And I keep going back. I, I think it's funny because I mean, this happened years ago. But let me see the date on this. May fifth, May. It says, revere, fear the Lord, and turn from evil, and you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. It's Proverbs 3, 21 and 22, I think, somewhere in there. Who needs healing? Who needs strength? The blessings of fearing God. And I, again, this, the, these are a few in excerpts from um, the fear of the Lord. But fear of, the fear of God, and, and I, that doesn't, please, I want to make sure everybody understands what that is. That is reverencing God. That's not being scared that he's going to beat you over the head or knock you silly or whatever. It's not that. It's reverencing and showing God how sacred he is to you. But the fear of God, the reverence of God, assures God's great goodness abounds in your life. Psalms 31, 19 says, Oh, how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you. Listen, it's not for everybody. It's for the people who fear God. Which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. It promises angelic protection. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. That's Psalms 34, 7. It secures God's continual attention. His continual attention to you. Psalms 33, 18 says, Behold, 
The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. He supplies provision. Psalms 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. There is no want, there's no lack for those who fear him. Do you realize if you don't know what a promise is, you really don't experience it because you don't even, you don't acknowledge it. But God's providing for you. For those who fear him, God provides for you. He provides assurance for food. Psalms 115, I'm sorry, 111.5. He's given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. God does not forget these are things that, these are, well, some things, the provision and the, you know, the protection, that's, that's awesome. But something, you know, food, direction. He fulfills and delivers us from harm. He fulfill, I'm sorry, he fulfills our desires and delivers us from farm, harm. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. That's Psalms 145, 19. He provides wisdom, understanding, and time management. Who needs that? Yes, glory. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. That's Proverbs 9, 10, and 11. See what I mean? The promises. If we are obedient to fearing God, it, seriously, y'all, the list goes on and on and on. You can look up the fear of God, and you just, this, this, this is just very short list. It leads to riches, honor, and life. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Proverbs 22, 4. Riches, honor, and life. But you know what? I don't want more finances to be greedy I want more finances because I know a lot of things that need to be done in God's kingdom I want to be I want to be that distribution center or one of them y'all I got a scripture here and I can't remember what it is let me look it up real quick because I don't know what it says. Oh, shame on me. What eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared He's made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. That's 1 Corinthians 2.9. Are you experiencing that? Please don't answer me. I'm not asking you to answer me. Are you experiencing, though, some of the things that we've discussed or I've talked about? Do you want more? I hope this just opens your eyes. I hope this puts this desire, this burning desire in you that says, what, what do I need to get rid of? Or maybe what do I need to do? Everybody's doors to that what's holding, what's holding you back it's going to be different. And I want to thank you for allowing me to speak, and nobody threw anything at me or anything like that. Um, but, <laughs> yes, it is. We're going to say amen. Um, but, no, thank you. And I, I do. I, I pray that this, this dream comes back to you over and over again. Anytime that you feel like, well, anytime that the Lord, you know, he needs to nudge you, you think about the, the string. 
because I'm telling y'all, what's over there, it needs to come out into this world. The world needs that. I need that. Would you like to dismiss us, please? Y'all, can we hear it from Miss Melody real quick? Is that not a powerful little woman of God right there? Y'all, I, I am not the only one that the Lord is working in this ministry. I'm not the only one that's experiencing the power. And when, you know, obviously me and Miss Melody talk quite often, considering we work here together, um, we've been talking about the power, right? We've been talking about the power. And I told you about what I experienced on Friday, that I'm still having a hard time wrapping my mind around that the power of God I experienced for the first time physical, in the physical sense for the first time in my entire life, of experiencing the power of God. Completely, y'all, I'm telling you, it shook me to my core because it could have only been God, and it was God. And the fact that it literally, in the physical sense, shook me, shook my entire apartment <laughs> complex. It shook us to our bones. And I even heard my neighbors talking about the next day outside. They said, did you feel that? Did you feel that? They said, we've never, I literally heard that. I was walking sky outside, my dog. And they said, did you feel that? Like, we've never experienced thunder like that ever. You know, I'm telling you, God is doing something different in this ministry. And he's not just birthing it in me. We, we saw a key example right here, a dream she gave Miss Melody years ago. He gave her this dream years ago. And now we're seeing it come to pass in this church. We're going to see the glory poured out. But like Miss Melody said, what gates have we put up? And, you know, as a pastor, it, it always it feels good to know people are listening to what I say on Sundays. To see that come out and what they're saying and what they're speaking. To see the overflow of what God is doing in this church. Because the more we dig into the words, the more we understand the things of Jesus, and the more we apply them, we will see the glory of God in this house. And we, not only are we wishful thinking, we are expecting to see the glory of God in this house. Will you stand with me as we pray before we head out tonight, please? To give God the reverence that he deserves. Would you please raise your hands with me as, as we just, we pray and we seek the greater things. Lord God, we thank you for this night. Thank you for the, the word that you put in Miss Melody for us tonight, Lord God. That we would put you in your proper place, Lord God. You are sovereign. You are holy. You are mighty. You are sacred, Lord God. And please forgive us if we have profaned the sacred, Lord God. Make us a house that respects the sacred, that puts the sacred in its rightful place, Lord God. Lord God, we just honor you in a place of reverence tonight, Lord God. Knowing you as you are, seeing you as you are, not attributing images to you that are not you, but seeing you as you are the sovereign almighty God of the universe. But, not our, but you are not far off, but you are with us, Lord God. And as you showed me your power on Friday at 1 a.m. in the morning, we expect to see that power here in this church, like in the book of Acts, as the Holy Spirit swept through like the rushing wind. Lord God, we want to see your physical, mighty power in this house. Lord God, if we have any gates built up over our hearts, we repent, Lord God. Tear down the gates, beat down the gates, destroy the gates so that your glory can flow through unhindered and unrestrained, Lord God. That we would see the greater things come to pass in this ministry, not because we're special, but because we are getting cleaner to become closer to you, Father, because you are what we desire. Your power and your might will reside in this house, Lord. Make us a people who are ready to foster that, Lord God. Cause us to examine ourselves, to question ourselves, to look at our lives to see if there are things we need to give up for you and things we need to do we have not done before. Lord God, we are expectant to see the greater things, Lord. Lord, thank you for leading the people out here tonight, the biggest group we've had in a while on a Wednesday night. Lord God, thank you for this encouragement to me as a pastor to see the congregation here tonight. Lord God, we thank you for everything you're doing in this ministry, that you're not just doing something good, you're not just doing something big, but you are doing something different in this house, Lord God. We honor you, we give you the glory and the praise forever and ever. Amen. Thank you guys for coming tonight. It's good to see all of you. Um, John and Charlie made a joke that everyone came tonight because they knew I wasn't speaking. I resemble that remark. <laughs> we love you guys. Y'all have a good one.